Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, guys. Hey, how do you like the new carpet? Isn't that nice out there? That's looking good. It makes the whole look brighter and bigger, right? Yeah. Get some nice baseboards down this week. And just so you know, there's a plan for in here, too. And uh, we're actually going to make some modifications on the stage here to make it a little more functional. And, uh, and then we'll re-carpet all the way from that wall to that wall. And so by the end of the summer, we'll be looking all styling, right? Yeah. Pretty nice. You know, sometimes, sometimes as a pastor, a week in ministry is really hard. And sometimes it's just, it seems like just one joyful thing after another. And uh, with, with one exception this week, this week was just a week of one joyful thing after another. To be, and I, I'm talking about being in ministry, you know. We're talking about in and just being surrounded by ministry and the privilege that I understand that to be, to be in ministry. And it's just been a wonderful week. On Tuesday, I got to pray with a man in his 80s in a nursing home to ask Jesus Christ into his life. And that's, I mean, there's just no greater privilege than that, right? On Wednesday then, uh, at our high school youth meeting here, one of, the, one of the students gave a testimony that was just off the chart, a powerful life testimony that uh, was so redemptive and so powerful. And the other students were just listening like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And when he got done, some of the guys came up and gave him a big hug and stuff. And that's a payday, right? When you see stuff like that happen, right? On Thursday, I've been teaching discipleship training, our 100, 200, 300, 400 series since October. And now we're in 400 and almost to the end. And uh, it's just such a great, they've been such a fantastic discipleship group. And they're in the 400 phase, which is about going out. And yesterday they did an outreach project at... Uh, one of the laundromats down by the Dairy, Dairy Queen down there and just putting quarters in and, and just sharing the love of Jesus with people with refreshments and stuff like that. And, uh, but as they were just getting, making their final preparations on Thursday night, there was one couple who experienced a very sudden tragedy this week in their life and the rest of them just got around them and laid hands on them and prayed for them. And it was a powerful, John, am I right? It was a powerful time of prayer, wonderful time. So that's been my week. And then yesterday, oh my gosh, we went down to give groceries away down to this trailer park we love to go to down south of town. It's called Whispering Pines down past Tony's Coney's. And we go down there, in there, and we've been going for a long time. And so we have relationships in there. We're hugging people and stuff and giving out groceries. And a number of the people who went with us were there for the first time. And their eyes get like this. They're like, this place is great. I mean, I mean those people are so poor. There's broken windows and stuff like that everywhere. And, and half the trailers are empty and stuff like that. But just to see God move in that way, it, it, it's just, that's been my week. <laughs> Ain't bad, right? So you don't have to pay me this week. Just kidding, but I'm uh, just saying uh, it's, it's been a great week. And, and I just, as I, I say that, to thank you. Just to thank you all, because I know that except for your prayers, this stuff doesn't happen. I know that except for those of you who pray and pray for us, leaders and staff of the church, this doesn't happen. And I thank you for that. And also, I want to thank you for your consistent giving. I love it that we're a church that doesn't have to talk about money. I know you love that too. That's only made possible because of your obedience. And I thank you for that. I thank you for being obedient in tithes and offerings. Thank you so much. And we as a staff, we don't take that for granted. We don't. We, we really acknowledge 
that we have a privilege to serve in the roles that we do because of your faithfulness. So thank you so much. Well, all that's to kind of talk about being in and being in ministry, being surrounded by or enveloped and closed by in. And last week I started a series called In because I told you I've been captivated recently by this phrase in the New Testament, in Christ. And what does it mean to be in Christ, to be surrounded by, to be enveloped by, to be enclosed by Christ? It's such a popular term, 216 times in the New Testament is this phrase, in Christ. And it reflects such a critical understanding of what it even means to be Christian, yes? That's really the the whole thing. You're either in Christ or you're out of Christ. And when you're in Christ, that's what it means to be Christian. Last week, I tried to share with you that the concept of in Christ means to be in salvation. That That you're caught up in the salvation that Jesus Christ provided for you on the cross that you have been legally changed, your status has been changed, that you're supernaturally connected to Christ, and that the Lord is working out, working out your resurrection even now as you move toward that day when you'll go from here to there. And that's what it means to be in Christ. Today I want to move on in our understanding of what it means to be in Christ, and I want to talk about being in the body of Christ. That it means not only to be in salvation, but to be in the body of Christ. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, we invite your presence. Uh, You've been faithful already. I didn't mean it that way. I just meant in this way, in uh, in the word now. We invite you to come. And you knew exactly what you meant when you inspired your apostles to write these words. And so that's all we want. We just want to know what you meant and what it means today, these many years later. So I invite you in the power of your Holy Spirit to come and to be the teacher to use the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart to bring you the greatest glory and the greatest benefit for these who have gathered here. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you have one. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's in the New Testament. And just to set up a little context, uh, for those of you who are newer to the Bible, 1 Corinthians is a thing called an epistle, which is just a church word for a letter. And so, so many of the New Testament books are epistles or letters. And so there were letters from someone to someone else. And this 1 Corinthians is a letter from the Apostle Paul, who was like a super big deal in the New Testament. And he was writing to the Christians in the city of Corinth, which is a, which is a city in Asia, Asia Minor. And so that's why it's called 1 Corinthians. There's also a 2 Corinthians, obviously. And so that would have been another letter that he would have written at another time. So he was writing to this church in Corinth, and and Corinth was kind of a mixed bag church. It was a very bustling, very diverse city, not unlike our cities today. And so there were some really good things that he said they were doing, and he had some real challenges to take on with these people in Corinth and getting it right in their whole new walk with Christ. So in this section here, he's talking about there just being one true church, one, one body. And so he's just trying to clarify that there's not like, there's not like many, many different Jesuses and, and there's only one true church. And he's clarifying that every person has a part in the church and that their, their part is as essential as any other part. Okay, so that's the context. I'm going to read quite, quite a few verses from 12 through 30. And just follow along if you have a Bible. If not, just maybe just sit back and let these words sink in from Paul to the Christians in Corinth. 
And he says the body, verse 12, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Well, our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. So his message is clear, isn't it? That there is one body with lots of different parts. And well, we, we're this part and looking over at another part, we can't say, well, I'm not as good a part as you or I'm a better part than you because every part is equally, equally necessary. We just un- try to understand in our lifetime what our part of the body is, right? And so this is his greater message that there is just one body, there's just one Lord, there's just one faith, there's just one baptism, there's just one Holy Spirit. And this is so important for us to not only grasp in our walk with the Lord, but to celebrate in this day and age. I think God is really beginning to do a new work with it here in the United States. But I want you to pay special attention to verse 27. Now you are you, you, that's a plural you, you, you are the body of Christ. So all y'all, right? We've been over this. There's y'all and there's all y'all. Or in western Pennsylvania for a singular, they say, they say yun, right? Okay, so we got different ways of saying things, but there's, there's, there's a singular you, like you, John, and then there's you, all, y- all y'all. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you, singular, is a part of it. This is a critical understanding. All right, so to be in Christ means not only to be saved, as we talked about last week, but to be properly connected to the body of Christ. So becoming a Christian... Becoming a Christian involves an intensely personal decision, right? That's between you and God, Chris, right? When you became a Christian, nobody could do that for you. 
Somebody maybe helped you with you, but you, you had to come to the place of repenting of your sins, surrendering before the Lord, inviting him. That's an intensely personal thing. That's an intimate thing. But listen, once saved, it's no longer a private thing. We are saved into public. We are saved into the body. Becoming a Christian is private, personal, intimate. Being a Christian is public. Absolutely public. And that's part of what it means to be in the body of Christ. Now, let's kind of work through this. Let's start with the question, what is the body of Christ? I dare you to ask me that question. Okay, two things. One, it means the, the, when we have communion, the body of Christ is the bread, right? So that's one meaning of the body of Christ. When we say, this is my body, this is my blood, these are symbolic representations of Jesus' finished work on the cross. Okay, so we mean that. But more often, when we talk about the body of Christ, we are talking about that it is the church, capital C, not the church, small c. I want you to think about it this way. It's the church, not the church. Would you say that? The body of Christ is the church, not the church. All right, so here we are on this little cornfield here in the corner of Grove City, and we got, we got this church, and it's a small c, isn't it? We are a church. We are not the body of Christ in, com in, in completion, but we are part of the body of Christ, small c. But all, all believers globally, now and, and historically, were joined with all even saints who have gone to glory. And we're the church. That's the capital C. So right now, all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ comprise the Christian faith, and that is the church, that is the body of Christ. Does that make sense? Now, with this, there are many expressions of the same core, set of core beliefs. This can be so confusing to people, especially to new believers, because they drive down the road and they go, I don't know, should I go to the Presbyterian Church, the Lutheran Church, the Assembly of God, the Vineyard Church, the Methodist Church, the Baptist Church? And it can be very confusing, can't it? And people from time to time ask, why why are there so many different, we call them denominations, which are groups of churches? Well, I'm going to explain that to you right now. Many expressions of the same core set of belief. Now, our faith can be described, as Christians, can be described in two uncompromised realities. These, these are uncompromised truths. These truths in the center of that circle are non-negotiable. First, that our one God, one God, right? Not many gods, not three gods, one God. Our one God is eternally, meaning before time, now and forever, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What do we call this? The Trinity. We call this the Trinity. This is the rock-solid core belief of Orthodox Christianity, that we believe there is one God who is eternally, these are important words, eternally, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. That God has always existed this way. Where did he come from? I don't know. <laughs> he came from himself. How do you get? He's God. He was before time began. He'll be after time stops. He's eternal. And he's, listen, he's always been Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is not a progression of God. We do not understand this to be a development of God. But God is eternally Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The second uncompromised truth that we believe as Christians is that salvation is attained only by grace through faith 
in Jesus Christ. That by the grace of God, he sees us in our predicament of sin, separated from him, and he extends to him his grace to you. He's made a way through the cross. You know this. And that you've responded in faith. That it's by his, by his grace, not by your faith, by his grace, through your faith, now it becomes applicable to you. That when you release your faith in that personally, authentically, in repentance, released, released your faith in Christ and what he did for you, you received his grace, and that's what it means to be a Christian. And I think <clears throat> these, these are, are the bare bones core belief that cause people to be Christians. So any denomination or expression of that, if you will, listen, they're Christians, right? Even though they do some of the outside stuff a little differently, correct? Not everybody does things the way we do it here, right? <laughs> Most people don't do things the way we do it here, right? <laughs> but they're Christian because we join them in that central core belief that God is Trinity and that salvation is only attained by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. When we can agree with other believers in this way, then how they do the outside stuff is as important to them as how we do our outside stuff. But it doesn't matter because we're agreed in the middle, right? Hello? This is the body of Christ. Now, in the same way, these are, so, these are uncompromised truths. And so this is inclusive of so many, but it also excludes some who claim to be Christian. There are groups who claim to be Christian, but they do not believe these things. And so these two core truths are exclusive of some people who claim to be Christian. The Mormon church, for example, called the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, sounds like Christians, right? The problem is they are not Trinitarian. They do not believe in the Trinity. They, they believe that there's Father, Son, and they say Holy Ghost, but not, there are three distinct gods. There are three, they do not believe in the eternal, they believe that God the Father was once a human on another planet who attained Godship. Now, I don't know who gave him Godship, Okay, so that God the Father is different, and they also believe in a heavenly mother, because that's how the Son came. Now, you can see that that's not Trinitarian. They also believe that there are other lesser gods and goddesses, and that a person who's a Mormon actually has the capacity, the potential to, to achieve God, part of the God, goddess part in heaven. Now, you can see that's very different, isn't it? Now, the Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, they don't, they don't believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. They believe only in his humanity. Well, that blows the Trinity right out, doesn't it? Because the, the Trinitarian belief says that God is not only Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but that he's always been Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so they don't believe that the Son is part of the Trinity at all in the same way that Orthodox believers believe this. And I tell you this just to say that all that glitters is not gold. You know this, right? That everybody who says they're a Christian isn't necessarily a Christian. Now, by the same token, I'd like to say that those two groups that I just mentioned, I believe, have every right to believe what they believe. They have every right to believe what they believe. I believe they're completely wrong. 
I believe they're dangerously wrong, but I don't ridicule them for believing that. I don't think they're bad people for believing that. I pray for them that they'll come to the truth. Hello? So when you think about people, I think of Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses as two examples of others I could give as being in error, as Muslims are in error, as Buddhists are in error, as Hindus are in error. I don't, they have, but they have every right to believe that, do they not? That doesn't make them bad. It's just from our understanding of the scriptures, it makes them lost. Some of these people who claim to be these things aren't very good at it. I remember, I remember early on when we were just starting this church so long ago. I went to a trailer park, started knocking on doors, telling people about Jesus. This one guy introduced myself, told him what I was doing, and he said, "Well, I'm a I'm a Mormon." I said, "Oh, really? Would you mind telling me about that?" And he, boy, this is an open door to a Mormon, right? He said, "Yeah, come on in, right?" And I so went in, sat down in his trailer, and talked a little bit. And I said, "What does it mean to be a Mormon?" He said this, he said that, and. I said, well, can I show you something in the Bible? You guys believe the Bible, right? Yeah, well, yeah, we believe the Bible. So I went to John chapter 1. And I just said, here it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You believe that? In the beginning, forever? Yeah, absolutely. I said, well, what do we get down to verse 14 here where it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth? What, what, what do you do about that, that Jesus came that way? And he said, well, I believe that. And I said, do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you? You have faith in that? Yeah. So I said, well, that's fantastic. Thanks for your time. <laughs> I love things. Thank you, Jesus, for that Christian who thinks he's a Mormon. <laughs> right? <laughs> there was another time we still lived in Westerville. I was out in my driveway, and some Jehovah's Witnesses came by, and a couple of them came up, and I was working on some of the garage or something. Oh, good. Hey, come on in, guys. Talk to me. You know, what you guys doing? Blah blah. blah. Well, we're, we're like got this magazine for you and stuff. Oh, I, I got enough magazines, but what are you guys up to? And they talk about being Jehovah's Witnesses. And I said, really? I said, I don't see it. I said, I'm a Christian, and I said, I, I, here's how I see that. And they said, well, we see it this way. And I said, how would it be if we just prayed about it and asked God to tell us? I said, how about if we just circle up in my driveway, join hands, and pray about it? Boy, they, I don't know if they'd heard that one before. And so they kind of step back and look at each other. And one guy says, well, how do you pray? And I said, well, I pray to the Father in the name of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. They looked at each other and said, okay. I thought, oh, good. I got some bad Jehovah's Witnesses, I guess. So <laughs> we just joined hands in my driveway and prayed. And I just prayed, God, one of us isn't right. One of us, these two things can't be true. Would you guide us into all truth? Would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts and tell us who's right and what's true? They seemed fine with it, and off they went. Well, here it is 25 years later, and I'm more committed to what I knew in that driveway today than I was then, so I'm wondering what churches they're a part of that God drew them into all church truth, right? Because somebody had to change. So they're not bad people. So, from these core beliefs, 
the body of Christ can express itself in a variety of ways. See that? It's what you just saw bigger, okay? It's just smaller now, so I can make my point, all right? I know you can't read that. I promise you it's what it just said, all right? I needed more space on the slide, okay? So at the core of the thing, at the core of the thing, is that belief that God is Trinity and that Jesus is the only way, okay? Now from that, then, comes an expression of that, from that core belief. You can, some... Local cultural expression. Let's call this one the vineyard. Here, there we are. We're expressing it, right? Those two things we believe, and here's how we roll it out in our world according to our calling. Well, somebody else might say, oh, we have those same core beliefs, but we express it this way, and we're called Presbyterians. Okay? That's all right, but we're still, we're still one in the middle, right? Well, if you keep playing this out, then what happens is you end up with a lot of different varieties of expressions from the same core truth. Because we believe these core truths together. I can have fellowship with anybody who believes those two things. I might have issues with the way they roll it out. I don't understand the priesthood of the Roman Catholic Church. But one of my new friends is a Roman Catholic priest. And we talk about this openly and how wrong each other are. <laughs> it's wonderful. But you know what? We meet in that we believe that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that every person needs to come to a personal knowledge of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of their lives. And so we're brothers, right? And that's what we're seeing happening in Grove City, Ohio right now. That's what we're seeing that God do in Grove City, Ohio right now. He's just joining these people together. I don't know where it's going to go next. I thought the whole thing was about inviting everybody in Grove City to church. That was just the mechanism by which God is doing something much greater. I recently went to one of those pastors' meetings. We're all loving each other now and esteeming each other. Just a couple of weeks ago. And I said, I've been praying about what's next. And I said, what I believe is next is I said, I want any one of you pastors to come to my church come to the vineyard and preach a message on unity. I said, you're all invited. Man, you could have heard a pin drop in that room. <laughs> I looked over at one of the better known pastors in our community and I said, I need you, you sit across the table, I said, I need you to come to the vineyard and be amazing. So I've been playing this Tune. So far, I have one pastor, met with him yesterday or on Friday, one pastor who's going to be coming, I think, in October. I've been invited to another church. I went to, I was a Methodist a couple weeks ago when Christian was preaching. So I've been invited to the Purple Door Church to preach. You know, I just think if God, <laughs> you guys are so far, I keep telling them, my brother pastors, sister pastors, I keep saying, our people are so far ahead of us on this. You already love each other across the denominational lines. And what we're getting over is that need that we have to defend our, our franchises. You guys are already ahead of us. I said, we got to catch up with our people. Because you'll love it, won't you? When another other pastor comes up here and preaches a message on unity, who has a wonderful church here a few blocks away, wouldn't you love that? Yeah, me too. 
Well, I already cut out a whole bunch of this message I was going to preach today, and I got another half of it, so I guess this is going to be a 10-week series. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I really did. I had a lot more than I brought, and then cut that out this morning, and I'm only halfway through what I decided, so, boy, I'm set. Let's, let's stop here today, and let's say, in our present culture... I think it's very difficult for us to really appreciate the body of Christ in its diversity, the true body of Christ. It's difficult. And I think it's difficult for a couple reasons. One, one reason, it's the convergence of two lines. And one is the convergent, converge, one line is, is a line that has come out of the first and second great awakenings where, you know, during those centuries of such powerful revival, there was huge emphasis on you know, not just your church membership doesn't save you, but you need a personal relationship with Jesus. And all those great preachers and Finney and Edwards and all those people and John Wesley and all those people, they just said, you need Jesus personally. And that's, that was such an important message and in such an important turn in the church. Okay, so we started making it about you need to make a personal decision. Well, there's another line that, that we in the West have been traveling, and it's called consumerism where day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, we just become more the center of so much advertising that we think the world is about us. It's, we, we come by it so naturally and insidiously. And so what happens is we get to this place where we go, all right, I got to get saved. And then, I, and then because it's all about me, I got I to gotta always be sure like I'm 100% happy in my church because if I don't like Meyer, I'm going to Kroger, right? And this, is a very, this makes it very difficult for us to say, you know, I've found my imperfect group. I'll talk more about this next week. I've found my imperfect group, and it fits well enough. <laughs> it's like going to Kohl's and trying on some clothes, you know, and you go, no, no. You just go in the dressing room, no, no. Well, I guess I can work with that, right? <laughs> you found your church. We're not perfect. We were before you came. <laughs> but listen... It fits well enough, doesn't it? It fits well enough. You can work with this. Okay, now from the beauty of what we have here, let's look over the fence at the Catholics and the Presbyterians and the Methodists, Baptists, Nazarenes. Thank you, God, for them, right? Thank you, God, for them. Thank you that we're such part of such a beautiful, diverse family. Thank you you've given me a place that I can really express myself and grow. Thank you. Thank you that you've given me a home, a tribe, a people. And thank you for my brothers and sisters who do it a little differently, but all from that same core set of beliefs. Band, please come, let's pray. Church, will we stand, please? Lord, we stand in awe of your presence today, and we stand in awe of this mysterious thing that you have built called the church. What a wonderful thing a thing that only you could think of, let alone manage. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that this church, this little sea church, doesn't even belong to us, that we, we are the sheep of your pasture. We're, we're just a flock in a pen loved by you. Thank you, Lord, that there are so many other flocks of other sheep pens, but we're all sheep. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for our beloved brothers and sisters, who, many of whom are right at this very moment doing a very similar thing in their own 
distinct ways, and we thank you for them. We ask your blessing on them, God. We just ask your blessing on believers as they gather in your name. In the name of Jesus, we come. We just come to you in the name of Jesus. It's in your name that makes us your people. It's in your name where you come. You said it wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I will come. And we are gathered in your name. And so we invite you to make us aware of your reality, of your presence, God. Holy Spirit, take these moments that we have set aside to respond to you, to cause us to respond to you. said uh, the Lord's given her a word that on Christ the solid rock we stand all other ground is sinking sand that center dot that's the rock and he showed her that he is standing on the rock there's sand underneath it but he's standing on the rock thank you Lord Lord we want to be a part of the rock Come, Lord, in your present manifestation of the Holy Spirit and move among us. Could we have some prayer ministry people come on up to the sides, please? Be ready to pray for anybody who needs prayer for anything. This is our time to ask of a loving Father. You can come to these people for anything. Let's worship.